Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Final hour of the Tuesday edition underway from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Today, the final day of May to get into June this week and then June 2nd, National Moonshine Day which is going to be nationwide. But, I mean, if you're looking for the best moonshine, it's right here at 6th and Peabody with Old Smoky. And the distilleries right here. You've got the brewery for Yeehaw Beer. And the best party is coming up Thursday, June 2nd. If you're in the area, swing by, say hello. Uh, the Outkick 360 Studios right here on site daily. June 2nd also happens to be my father's birthday. Tom Withrow nice. turning 78 on Thursday. Uh, right up against National Moonshine Day. Along moonshine with his brother. Fest. Correct? Yes, it is his identical <laughs> twin. That's correct. Uh, Bob Withrow. Tom, Tom and Bob. Bob. Thomas and Robert. Bob and Tom. To be Bob exact. Tom. Thomas and Robert both uh, turned 78. And uh, maybe they'll celebrate with some moonshine. Maybe we can make this uh, Tom and Bob fest. I would, love, I would love for Tom to show up on his birthday. Is Bob and also good at... Uh, sandbag everyone at Cornhole. My Cornhole. dad has a, a, an unbelievable ability. He drinks maybe once a year at some sort of outing. And he can just put back drinks, and it does not affect him at all. Every time I've seen that him, oh, for me. that skill, it's an uncanny ability that I, you would never know that he had one drink, and he will he will sit there and drink with anyone, any seasoned drinker around. He will go drink for drink with that person and be completely unfazed. He's also excellent at hand-eye coordination games. Is his brother uh, of a similar ilk? Yes, and they're both uh, avid anglers. They both love to fish. And my dad still fishes competitively in tournaments. Uh, wakes up at 2, 3 in the morning to go to these fishing tournaments. But yeah, they're both very good. Bocce ball, cornhole, uh, any game like that that involves uh, horseshoes, that involves tossing an object, trying to hit another object that's close by, they're expert at. Targeted, targeted throwing yes. game. I mean, the, the man is the Larry Bird of cornhole. I mean, he just... He can throw left-handed. I don't know. Maybe he's left-handed. Drops he can throw opposite hand, Boom. and it's just straight Boom. through every time. Boom. He's also Boom. a great trash talker, much like Larry Bird. Uh, he, he doesn't get real mean with the trash talk, but he'll knock you off your game because he'll joke about something. Larry Bird gets that's mean. That's going on. Yeah, Larry Bird's a, a lot more a mean meaning. than Tom. Edgier. But uh, happy early birthday, Tom Woodrow, yeah. yes. 78 on Thursday. Well, Congratulations. We'll, we'll toast to him with the we'll be going to see. Uh, I'll be going to see Top Gun Maverick for a second time, his first time, tomorrow night in celebration of his birthday. Maybe I'll go with you when you go for your third time. Yes. Please, bring it. Oh, there'll be a third. Well, there'll that, be a fourth. I, this What's is, the limit? This has been great for the, for the movie theater. Um, oh, no doubt. It's been empty for yeah, thing, I mean, a couple of years. It was refreshing to walk in there and see a packed house you yeah. know like uh, people you there i don't know how they staggered the start times chad but whenever we got oh, we there's booked like our 40 showtimes yes. uh, every theater yes for the day. 30 minute increments uh at least for us that's what our options were and we, while you could find seats in all of them the day before 
day of, we would go check to see how full it was going to be. Every one of them packed. And then when you're walking in, you're seeing all the different uh, screens let out, and everybody thoroughly enjoyed it. It's just a great escape to get back in the theater, get some popcorn, and enjoy a good action movie. I love it. I love it. There are times, I wrote about this at OutKick, that I really do want to just go elbow to elbow with people and enjoy (laughs) the same thing at the same time. And I love that this movie gives us the opportunity to do it. Now, it was funny, the kid that, you know, now they don't take tickets. Like, you don't go up to the window at the movie theater and buy anything. You do everything at the concession. So you go up to the concession, you buy your tickets there. If you've got them already Mm -hmm. digitally, you show your tickets there. They handle everything at the concession. The kid that was working the concession, you know, I scanned my tickets, got the popcorn, sodas, whatever. And typically they're, oh, you know, you're in theater seven or nine or whatever. And he looked at it and he said, I honestly, guys, don't know which theater, but it's every other one. Is Top Gun. So just look for it. Like he's like, I, I didn't look to see. I'm sorry. He apologized. I'm thinking, we can find just, it. Just I'm look looking right here. It's like, oh, Top Gun Maverick, 8 o'clock. We're in this one. But he was right. Every, it was staggered. Every other theater was a Top Gun showing. That was every 15 or 30 minutes apart throughout the day. I didn't even look. Those I, other movies were really killing well, it. I, I, was, I was trying to think about the other movies I saw. And I, I can't even remember seeing another film well, there's on, some kids on the movie. display. Simon went to a uh, birthday party. Sonic Hedgehog 2? Mm, I don't think it was that's that. That's one of them that's out. Something, something else, but they had a big time. The Bad Guys? Yeah. That's the animated one. Yeah, The Bad Guys. My daughter is wanting to watch that, and every day she wants me to go check. Is it free yet? Is it free? And I say, Evie, it is still in the movie theater. It is not going to be free. But I'll go check just to prove that it's not free. $20. You can rent it at Amazon Prime for 20 bucks to watch it at home right now. And I'm thinking, we'll, we'll hold out. We'll let it get down to 6 or $7, then we'll rent it at home. How about that? Warriors and Celtics in the NBA Finals, that will tip off on Thursday. And then oh, the, the schedule the will way. play out where Game 7, a potential Game 7, is, if, if, I think it's June 19th. It's a Sunday. Three weeks from uh, Yeah. They're, they're going to pace this thing uh, throughout uh, the, the entire month of June, it's going to so feel slow. like. And how about my Rangers? Getting it done, breaking the uh, That's a nice home Game ice 7 trend. win. Yeah. Got two goals in seven minutes or something Rangers like that. Rangers and Lightning. And uh, you've got the Lightning going for the three-peat. Meanwhile, Colorado and Edmonton will put on a show as well. So it's a, it's a nice little final four-pack for the Stanley Cup playoffs. I'm trying to think of what um, what's worse for the NHL. The drought of the Canadian teams not winning the Cup. Or the Tampa Bay Lightning winning three in a row in yeah. their sport. <laughs> both bad. Those are both awful, right? I am yeah. really pulling for, this is not anti-American at all. This is pro-hockey and pro-things that matter the most to people. I want to see one of these Canadian. I want to see a Canadian team win. Well, that would be a great question for a Canadian. What's worse, that the Canadian team hasn't won in so long or that the Tampa Bay Lightning are oh, it's, a, a, about to be a dynasty. I think the answer is very easy for the Canadian. It's the Canadian has not won. They don't care who's winning it in America if the Canadian isn't winning it. But I think for the league, it's interesting. It's a fascinating question to me because I like people that really care about something to be fulfilled. That is their national sport. It means more to them. I can pick so many other things in America. In Tampa – that people care about more than Tampa Bay Lightning hockey. Yeah, but I think that uh, – look, I don't say this knowingly, but I suspect hockey purists can handle original six teams winning the Stanley Cup. They can handle 
uh, you know, Chicago and Detroit and the, and the Rangers being very good. But they don't like these Sunbelt teams in places where it's not cold, like you say, in markets where people don't even know what hockey is about. I think that tears them up. I, I bet you there would be some votes for that. Because if Detroit were doing what Tampa Bay's doing right now, I think they could handle it um, as opposed to a, a Canadian team winning. I bet you that poll might be a little bit more split than you think. I also think that if you are a true diehard of something, this is the, the, the whole thing we get into in the South with the chance of SEC. I think that deep down, if you are a Canadian – you don't want the Canadian team to break through and win it to not be your team. I agree. So if you're Toronto, how into Edmonton are you? Yeah, I don't know any Tampa Bay Lightning fans up here in Winnipeg, right? So who cares? But I I come across uh, Maple Leafs fans, Oilers fans, right? If you're in Winnipeg or wherever in Canada. So I'd rather my rivals within the country not not have that satisfaction. I want it to be my team. We just need to get a Canadian expert on the show to talk maple syrup, to talk Stanley Cup, to talk rivalries within the sport, CFL. We need a Canadian correspondent to talk about all these things on this show. The NHL, though, I mean, they're, they're in position to win and market this, this no matter what happens series. because you've got the Rangers who can be back in the Stanley Cup final. You've got the Lightning. We should start there. The Lightning can be one of the greatest dynasties we've seen considering the era that they're going to win three straight if they pull this off. Um, they, they are extremely clutch. Nobody's went three straight anything. Yeah, yeah. And then they've done it in 2020, and then they turned around and did it again through uh, COVID cancellations and crazy injuries that took place last year and a cap situation that was structured not in their favor, but they made it work. Um, and then they've turned around and done it again this year where the goal was just get back in the playoffs because our season starts in the postseason. And then they won back-to-back games in order uh, to uh, against Toronto, a game six, a closeout game where they had to win at home, then went on the road, won on the road in Toronto in game seven to advance. Now they win another series and they're off to the they swept Conference the next final. series, right? Yeah, so I mean they're, they're the Panthers. They've been tremendous. And meanwhile, Colorado is awesome. Edmonton plays a very exciting style with two of the best players in the league, led by Connor McDavid. There should be some goals. Uh, Drysaddle is awesome. I mean they. They have some star power no matter what the matchup is for the Stanley Cup final. It's, it's going to be a fun stretch run for the league. I think it needs to be Edmonton Rangers. I don't think anybody outside of the diehards in that sport care at all about a three-peat for the Tampa Bay Lightning. The New York Rangers, I can tell you one year and match up the Stanley Cup champion, 94 Rangers, because it was such a big deal. I, can't t- I can tell you who's won it in the last 20 years. I can't tell you the exact year. That's how important it would be for the New York Rangers to be playing for a Stanley Cup in the end. And to have the Canadian opposition with Edmonton and their star power, to me, much like it was a no-brainer, Warriors-Celtics was the best matchup for the NBA, I think Edmonton-Rangers, not even a close second. I don't think Colorado would be too bad. Um, I don't think Colorado resonates. Not that Edmonton resonates nationally in the U.S. I don't think Colorado resonates nationally. Jeff Gladney uh, died in a car accident early yesterday morning at the age of 25. He was with the Arizona Cardinals uh, defensive back, previously drafted by the Minnesota Vikings in the 2020 NFL draft. 
Um, and he played in all 16 games as a rookie with the Vikings. Um, they released him after he was charged with sexual assault. He ends up with the Cardinals. He was found not guilty, by the way, of that charge. They signed him right after that. And the Cardinals signed him right after and uh, died in a, a car accident. A uh, female also died in the car accident that happened early Monday morning. Uh, terrible news. Um, former uh, TCU uh, frog, Horn Frog, uh, dead at the age of 25. That's just one of those headlines where uh, you read it and you do a double take, you know, because you just don't see that often, thankfully. And that was one of those headlines that, you know, maybe people scrolled past on Memorial Day that you normally would focus on on a random weekday. I was actually with a buddy of mine uh, recently married a girl who went to TCU, and I was with some TCU people at a Memorial Day cookout during the afternoon and get in my car, get home, and I go and see that headline. And, uh, I mean, the only reaction is sadness, right? I mean, I, there's not yeah. much you can say about it other than it's just a tragedy that a 25-year-old guy uh, dies in a car accident over Memorial Day weekend. So, I mean, take the football part of it out of mm -hmm. it, all of that. But it was just – it was odd. I just got done hanging out with TCU people, and then you see a TCU Horn Frog die in this tragedy. Very, very sad. Seems like, uh, you know, and I know we're not following the reports of regular, quote-unquote regular people, people who aren't making headlines, but seems like a disproportionate amount of uh, athletes, former athletes that, uh, that we wind up reading about. Or I shouldn't say disproportionate amount, just a lot. Um, and it's very sad. So uh, Jordan Addison, the transfer wide receiver from Pitt to USC, says he made up his mind just based on a gut feeling. After weeks of discussion about the money he's going to make after making the transfer and why it made so much sense for the top wide receiver, the Bolitnikoff winner from last year, to transfer from Pitt to USC with new head coach Lincoln Riley and the way they're going to be playing uh, the, their style of offense there. Uh, to call it a gut move... Uh, saying he just was looking for a, a good coach and a good football community. Um, look, I, transfer wherever you want based on the rules of this, but you don't have to lie to us and say it was just a gut move because that what you made is a pro move. That is a pro football player in college football. Right. And, and that's completely within the realm of uh, what is allowed right now across college football. Why is he driven to lie? I just don't understand it. Well, it may not, it's not, maybe it's just not the complete truth because, I mean, I do think that he had a gut, you know, a gut feeling that, hey, I could go on the transfer portal and get paid and I could go somewhere else that's nicer weather. Uh, I, I didn't have as many options coming out of high school. I decided to go to Pitt. I've had a great career at Pitt. I won the Bolitnikoff Award. What if I got paid and got to experience somewhere completely different? Oh, I'll transfer to USC and get paid. I mean, that gut feeling could be true. Could have started in his gut and ended in his wallet. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't doubt that. But, yeah, I mean, it's you're going to see well, this more and more. I, and to be fair to him. We hear NIL a lot about high school kids. This is the most damning part to the sport. Yes. Are you're going to put time, resources, fans are going to put their heart into players they're watching, and they are going to decide for whatever reason, mostly financially induced, they want to poke their head out into the transfer portal, see what they can get, and leave. And maybe they just want to experience something different What's in those the, four years in college 
or three years in college. They, uh, Paul, they, uh, Chad, they, uh, he goes on the transfer portal, and he, he referenced the recruitment from USC in all this by saying like, oh, and I'm paraphrasing his quote. He's like, oh, you, you say I'm a Blitnikoff winner. I can't improve all that much. Well, Lincoln Riley pulls out the tape and shows my role within this offense and how I am going to blossom as a college player headed to the NFL. Um, that That's a move that you make as a junior commitment, but not yet signed to a, to a team out of high school. You know, you get re-recruited by a team after already verbally committing somewhere else. This is taking place after already on the current college roster. And for the universities that have the resources, not only can you show a highlight video, you can show the sponsorships that come along with production within the offense itself, which is what happened here. And he's going to be the most high profile of this. Oh yeah, of this example, this off season, he's the one everyone's talking about. This is the map for other college stars that were under recruited coming out of high school that go somewhere that decide. I, I want to get back into the recruiting game. Didn't get all the love the first go around, even though this place developed me. I've been a star here. The fans love me. All of that. I still want to go back and be wanted by someone else. And now that wanted also includes money. And not just money, you know, $100 handshakes from boosters. Legitimate money for transfers that are going to go somewhere. We're seeing this, you know, Ole Miss. There are programs that have made a living this offseason as the transfer destination for people, for top-level transfers. So it's, it's only going to happen more and more. And I think this is far worse for the sport than, than high school players getting paid. Well, then you have Narduzzi, who a couple of weeks ago, we, we discussed it on the show, called up Lincoln Riley and said, hey, what are you recruiting my player like this? Like, I had an open conversation about it. Um, and, and keep in mind, there's a former USC quarterback that's now the quarterback at Pitt in Slovis. Yep. So, I mean, you give and take here, uh, and it's the movement that we're going to see across college football. Unfortunately, or or fortunately, look, if uh, if you're a, a player and you're you're committed to the coach and not the program, that's not good. But ultimately, where we're headed here, you've got the free reign to jump off and abandon ship if you see fit that you see a better fit somewhere else. And that's what Addison's saying. I'm signing up for one year and I'm going all in with the quarterback and the head coach. It's going to get me, uh, you know, potentially a top ten, top five type talent. Yeah, it started as a chance to correct a wrong, right? Okay, open transfers. You don't have to sit out a year. You go somewhere where you don't jive with the culture or you don't play as much or the system's not right for you. Okay, you get to go somewhere free of charge and move and go somewhere else to play, whatever. Now it's become, yes, it is still that for those players, but it's also for the players that do hit, that do work out, that the culture is right for them that the playing time is right for them, that the system is right for them, they can also come out and say, well, I just want to do better financially. I'm going to shop. And I'm going to go try to go somewhere else now. And it's, it's not good for the game. By the way, I want to give a quick shout-out. I don't know the reporter's name, but this is obviously the talk at SEC Spring Meetings right now in Destin. Nick Saban was asked about, hey, you, know, you, you said that everyone in Texas A&M's class was bought, that they bought their entire class. And Nick Saban doubled down what he told Bobby Carper. said, I never said anyone did anything wrong, and I should not have specified a specific program. And the guy said, well, hold on. You said they bought their entire class. That's, that's a violation. 
of the rules. And you could tell Saban was knocked off guard, was quiet for a second, took a breath, and said, again, I'm not saying that it's wrong what happened, and then goes into his answer. But I like that pushback from a reporter. Very rare uh, with Saban for most people. Most people asking questions. Coming up tomorrow, I'll have a column at OutKick uh, that I wrote over the weekend about um, a presentation I would give if I were an AD or a head coach and Sankey said, hey, we're going around the room. Tell me your best idea for a brainstorming session in regards to a future schedule for the SEC. They are discussing that today uh, where they have uh, let everyone know they're they're considering an eight or nine uh, game schedule for the conference. And that will coincide with the column that I've saved for tomorrow morning and will be a big topic tomorrow on what we're signing up for and what we want to see from the conference moving forward. My idea will make them, within three to four years, they will make as much as the entire NCAA claims that they make in an annual profit. The NCAA claims that they made $1.3 billion two years ago. My plan has the SEC making over a billion dollars in revenue. I can't wait to read it. And they're around $800 million right and now. And that's part of the, the discussion now is their own playoff and how much money that could add to it if the SEC goes back and renegotiates some sort of deal for their own playoff and then the winner of that SEC playoff just automatically plays the winner of the alliance, they would call it, which is basically the rest of football. And they'd play for a national championship. And I can't wait to read your piece also, Hutton. Billy Napier and uh, Trey Wallace wrote about this at OutKick right now, also came back and said, hey, all this TV money, let's get the players a piece of the pie. You want to put your money where your mouth is and you want to avoid everyone else around us paying players? Let's take a percentage and give it to our players of all this TV money rolling in. Had not heard that yet from a coach about this, but that's another interesting topic. I'm curious to see what kind of timetable you have, Hut, and uh – how many games and fit into what kind of uh, timetable? Yeah, I'll, I'll tease by saying I am including all of those who want to keep the guaranteed wins on their schedule. I'm, I'm including that, and I'm including more revenue uh, for each individual university within the SEC. Um, so we'll, we'll dive into that headfirst tomorrow. Um, coming up, we'll get into umpires and officials and living up to a standard. Paul, first, though, I want to get into the the Titans and the discussion that they're going to add another wide receiver. Jim Wyatt wrote about this and and posted this in one of his uh, mailbags or uh, observations. Yeah, it was a mailbag with the with the Titans and said that alluded to the fact that another addition before the season at receiver uh, is not out of the realm of possibility. In fact, I think his words were strong chance. In thinking about that, knowing that they don't have A.J. Brown or Julio Jones at the top of their depth chart, and we know how it looks right now where Robert Woods is coming off an ACL, Traylon Burks, um, I believe, completed a full practice. The media wasn't there to see it, and which is great news that he was able to make it through an entire NFL OTA. And um, beyond that, the, the depth that the position liked, if, you're, if we're comparing it to what they – what we saw in the preseason last year. Um, yeah, they're thin. So they, they will add another one. The question is, what type of vet are they looking for? Yeah, I, I don't know what they're looking for. I know it's available, and I don't think anything that's available is going to be a big cure. I mean, Julio Jones is the top re- 
receiver available. Will Fuller's and, the top and, one everyone and, and, brings up. And in up. a couple days, they get $9.5 million of relief from cutting Julio Jones. Will Fuller has played 56% exactly. of the games available to him in his career. I don't see the Titans adding Will Fuller. Titans, uh, you know, have a big thing up in their weight room that availability is the most important ability. They're not going to uh, bring in depth that they can't count on. If they do, it would be very unlike them. T.Y. Hilton is is 32 and slowing down, and he's missed a whole bunch of games. Cole Beasley, I, I don't think Cole, Cole Beasley gives them the kind of speed that they need. Um, you know, he's, he's largely a slot receiver. Yes. Um, Emmanuel Sanders may be intriguing. He's 35. Alan Hearns, does that get you excited? Albert Wilson, these are the kind of guys that are out there. Deshaun Jackson, his best is behind him. He's 35. Danny Amendola torched them for Houston last year. He's 36. Odell Beckham's not going to be ready till November, and he's looking for way more money than you're going to spend. Adam Humphrey's been there, done that. Muhammad Sanu, 32. Didi Westbrook, Tavon Austin, Tavon Austin, Chester Rogers, another guy. Maybe they bring him back. Also much more of a slot. Chris Moore, I, I don't even know much about him. Chad Beebe, Marcus Kemp, these are nobodies. Uh, you know, I think the most likely scenario out of that is that Chester Rogers emerges. Is everybody going to be excited? Everybody that says, oh, the Titans are going to get another wide receiver. When they re-sign Chester Rogers, are you going to say, oh, now the depth problem is solved. They got Chester Rogers back. Well, they'd be closer to last year's depth if they did that. Yeah. But, I mean, as soon as Chester Rogers is back, what you're going to say is, God, I hope Kyle Phillips <laughs> plays every snap ahead of Chester Rogers. The so Chester, I mean, I Chester think Rogers I'm, will have a great preseason and end up being a surprise keeper. You know, right? And if he's the punt returner, you're going to say be the oh. Nick Westbrook Aquina of this uh, or Mason Kinsey right. of this group. And if Chester Rogers is the punt returner, everybody's going to say, "Oh my God, how did they not upgrade punt returner over Chester Rogers?" I don't so hate I, the I don't hate the idea though of a like a, a mid not mid thirties like a early to mid thirties type guy. Um, Re- Alan Hearns, yeah, or uh, you, not Emmanuel Albert Sanders, Wilson. but uh, there was uh, another player you mentioned that's thirty-two or thirty-three, like Sanu. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't hate that idea. He's um, not terrible, you know. C- considering what when, Ed, when they, when Ed, they, Ed they in the signed, chat says Antonio Brown. <laughs> yeah. Antonio, Antonio Brown, Brown I think, is, has declared he's not playing. Yeah, he, he says he wants <laughs> after to retire he knows that nobody's interested in him. After he knows that nobody's interested in him, he's declared he's not. But what I'm saying is, even if they sign Muhammad Sanu, what's going to happen is everybody's going to think that Muhammad fans are going to think that Muhammad Sanu's coming in as some sort of savior. When Muhammad no. Sanu would be coming in no. as the fifth or the sixth, it's our job to inform them. Yeah, no, so. th- there's no savior here. But the, the 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 idea would be he's he's there in the perfect role. He's the third or fourth option. Yeah. Um, I and, think it'd be the fifth option. And, well, I'm, I'm looking at just receiver, just straight receiver. No, right? I'm saying it'd be the fifth receiver ideally. If uh, you want everybody healthy and playing the role that they're assigned to, Muhammad Sanu to me would be a fallback plan if somebody's hurt. Yeah, I, I'm not signing. I'm not looking at, to bring in Muhammad Sanu to be inactive. Like it, I think they would I, be. The inactive needs to already be on the roster. I mean, um, I, I think their top three, obviously, are Woods and Burks as the top two. And I, I think Kyle Phillips, it's their intention for him to be the, the slot guy. Yeah, and I, I think he's looked pretty good. Obviously, he's a returner, it's, too. It's, but yeah. I, like I, I wouldn't – like I'm not signing a guy right now. If, if we're just looking at the even – 
I, I would be looking to sign someone that's going to help me on game day, not someone that's just around that I'm going to make inactive. And it, I don't know. I, I would be looking for someone that's an upgrade. Well, if he's going to help you on game day, he needs to play special teams. I don't know that you're signing somebody yeah. like Muhammad Sanu to play special teams. Yeah. Well, I, but see, so I, I think it's difficult. Because if, if you're not signing someone in your mind who's active week one, um, to me, they're no different than Golden Tate. Yeah. Well, how many are active on week one? Four or five? Uh, but five or six. So you're looking for a guy to knock off Racy McMath, probably. And Racy McMath was active for the last four games plus the, sp- plus the playoff yeah. game. That's the guy you'd knock off because he's not much of a receiver yet. He's mostly a special right. teamer. But the four I mentioned, plus Nick Westbrook-Akina, I think are going to be active every week. Coming up, umpires and officials needing to follow the player's lead of expectation. We discuss this next on OutKick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Now Kick 360 rolls on. So we expect athletes and coaches to ignore the noise focus and be centered on the actual matchup itself and ignore the noise in the periphery. Chad, you have a Fox News rundown coming up that will focus on exactly that line of thinking, but from a referee and umpire standpoint. And what sparked your attention to this topic was a Braves-Diamondbacks game from the weekend. Yeah, Anthony Ferris has a story right now up at outkick.com. So umpire John Lipka... Calling balls and strikes behind home plate. Zach Gallen is the pitcher for Arizona. They're up one run in the fifth. Very questionable ball three to Ronald Acuna. Looked like a strike. I mean, looking at the, you know, the graphic on the screen, looked like a strike. Next pitch, he walks him, and Gallen spends probably three seconds questioning the umpire from the pitching mound, saying, that's not a ball. That's not a ball. You can clear him, see him plain as day after he throws the pitch. Not a ball. So... The at-bat happens, he says something else, and it's, it's all, again, it's probably three seconds of him saying something. So Livka decides, I'm going to approach the pitcher. So it's almost like he's picking a fight. I'm going to walk up to the pitcher's mouth. Well, the catcher's having none of it and stands in between him and says, nope, not going out there. So then that prompts the manager for Arizona to come out and argue with the umpire so his pitcher doesn't get tossed, and the manager gets tossed. Look, this is one example of rabbit ears from every umpire, referee, official, everyone out there. And Hutton, you said it. We always ask our athletes, whether it be a fan heckling them, a player heckling them, whatever, eliminate the madness. Block out the noise. Focus on your job. I'm not saying that every umpire, ref, NFL official, everyone should just blindly let anyone say whatever they want to them and act like they don't hear anything. But there are times where ignorance is the better part of valor. Just act like you don't hear it. You probably know you screwed up the call. If a starting pitcher in the major leagues is so pissed off that he stops the game to yell at you, probably miss that one. Just look to the side. Keep going. 
Get the next one right. It doesn't always have to be the worst thing in the world because someone calls you out. Leaving the area job. sparks it. You know, that, in, that adds gasoline to the well, fire. Well, just you don't have to hear everything. Like, just like we expect our athletes and coaches and everyone else to block out most things, why can't we ask that of umpires? I saw an example of an umpire doing just that. Very similar situation. Garrett Cole uh, for the Yankees had a called strike three that would have got him out of a jam. They had a one-run lead. Um, and he said to the umpire twice, you missed that one, you missed that one. And they went back about their business. Now, Garrett Cole fell apart from there. That was ball four. It was a 3-2 count. Ball four. Gave up a single that tied the game. Fell apart from there. Yankees lost to Tampa Bay on a, on a game that would have put them up 3 nothing in a four-game series. Instead, they were 2-1, and they ended up 2-2 in the series. They would have at least won the series 3-1. That doesn't show up in a stat sheet. Right. Definitely so factors that in. That series went a bad direction off that one pitch. But the umpire, I don't know if it's to his credit, because it's not to his credit. He just did what he should do. Just stayed behind the plate. And he did miss it. It was a strike. Cole looked at it again from the center field camera after the game and said, it's clearly a strike. But he's got to hold his composure and not fall apart on one pitch. It's something I expect in in the Little League ball I'm watching an 11-year-old. I I think that the helmets certainly factor into this as to why – you don't pick up on it more from a TV broadcast. But I think the average fan would be amazed at how the refs and the players get after it on the field. Constant. And how loud and in, in your face they get um, with the, the, the words and the mannerisms of which they respond. And I'm, I'm talking about the, the officials, the, the refs. But there's never, like, in, in regards to what happened Braves-Diamondbacks, Chad, a, a manager's getting ejected for that. Like there, there, something's happening in that sequence that ends with a player or a coach not no longer available for the game. We don't even see flags thrown for unsportsmanlike conduct against officials. The refs never throw the yellow flag for that type of conduct or behavior. And I think in large part because they're actually giving it back to the player or coach a lot of time too. Um, it's just a different well, it's, decorum it's, it's, to it. It's, it's sport. It's a different by the sport. Like I, I'm blocking football out of it because yeah, they do take yeah, a lot of abuse and they never throw well, the flag but unless they, it's they way over the top. They dish it out more than I think well, what hockey, fans would realize. I mean, hockey. If you Hockey's go back and watch thing. the HBO series yes. where they're all mic'd up, I mean, those refs will say things that make a sailor blush. Yeah. Back to the players that say stuff to them, they're right in their face, going right back at them, using every word in the book. So th- that's that's the back and forth. I'm talking more baseball. There's a lot of rabbit ear situations. They're waiting with umpires. on it. They're, they're, they're um, hunched waiting on it. I don't watch a ton of college baseball, but I've noticed this to be a problem. College baseball umpires are bad about they're this. Bad. They're bad. Where they're constantly looking for something to do, uh, and it's always extracurricular to get on someone for saying anything. Basketball, there's certain officials that are bad about it. Hearing something from the bench, hearing something from a coach, hearing something from a player on the court and almost seeking out that confrontation. Again, I'm not saying it is their job to make sure that they are the ones that are in charge of the game and the rules of the game. So I'm not saying turn a blind eye or ear to everything. I just watch what happened with the Arizona Diamondbacks last night. I think, are you, do you really have to, after the walk, start approaching the pitcher? Let's just move on. Yeah, and I think you're on. If the- he keeps going after the, you know, after the next pitch and then, 
fine. If it's Toss an egregious him, call that him. was missed, he'll know it. And to approaching the mound like that in defense of whatever had gone on two pitches prior is acknowledgement that the pitcher's in your head because he's right. Or the catcher, the catcher for all I know, is saying something too. Um, is he, he jumps in in the middle of it, clearly trying to not let it escalate. The umpire, though, is the one that wants it to escalate. And I, I'll yes. say, like, in baseball... You want to say that to my face? Because I'm going to throw you out. Right, yeah. They want it to get to a point where he, he, they toss him because that shows the power, right? Yeah. I will say, though, baseball, in, in regards to this, with the player and the umpire or the manager and the umpire, whenever they come out of the bench and they're nose-to-nose and they're getting after it, there is a charm to that for me, too. Like, I, don't, I, I still it's want that. Old. I still want that. Yeah. But I don't want the official in any sport being the one that, leading ad, the charge. that adds the lighter fuel, adds the fluid to the spark. Um, the, the player can escalate it to a point where the umpire has no choice but to do that. But as far as the guy who's in charge of putting the guardrails up and implementing the rules and regulations for the sport itself, I don't need them being a part of the show. Well, it's, like, it's like TV Teddy uh, anytime he's calling college ba- basketball. I, I don't need the extracurricular stuff that comes with that. Well, there, there should never be – here's a great example. There should never be any instance where an umpire or a ref is following a coach or player. Right. No, it's if I yell around. something at the umpire and I turn and I'm running back to my position or I'm trying to defuse it and not say anything, do not follow me to re-engage. I have said my piece. End it. Yeah. Go back to doing your job. I'm going to try to go back to do my job. We get too many of these instances where it's – Oh, now I'm going to come over there. You, know, you see that, again, college baseball is a great example. Umpires approaching the dugout. Get back and umpire the game. If I want to, like Hutton says, if there's going to be some sort of incident where I'm going to get in your face and I'm getting tossed, and I know I am, I will take it to you. And there may be right? too many people. I don't people, need you coming to me at any point. There may be too many people with the wrong temperament in it. Like I'm thinking of it, I would not be able to not go follow that guy. But I'm not the right person to be in that line of work. Well, that, that and that's the problem. Sure. And, and I, I'm delicate about this because we have a shortage of officials in all sports right. in America right now. And I get that it's a tough job. So we probably have to take some people with the wrong temperament to do it because we don't have enough people doing it. Because we got to have umpires, officials, everyone to have youth sports, which is a good thing in this country. So. I'm very sensitive to it, but especially when I see it at the highest level, I can't also sit back and be quiet about it because they are setting the example for everyone else. Well, there should be enough for the very highest level. And I can't help but think of you, Jonathan, as a youngster watching Earl Weaver and your your Orioles. My Orioles, yes. That was the guy who poured the most <laughs> gasoline on the fire of anybody. Nobody had to follow him. Oh, he followed great, everybody. The history and of the Baltimore Orioles. I'm like you. I like it in baseball because there's an old-timey charm to it. I want to see, and this sounds terrible, the, the great conflicts between a manager and and an umpire used to include kicking dirt on him, yeah. turning, your, turning your hat around yeah. so that you could get really in his face without the bill of the cap intruding, you know, creating some three-inch limit, yeah. uh, taking the base and throwing it. I, I haven't seen a good one of those in a long yeah, time. I, I want to see a guy just go nuts. Yeah. Like the base Bizarre. coming out's the best. Like he tagged it right <laughs> here. He's <laughs> he's it. You can't have the base anymore. Is Mattingly the new Bobby Cox? Has he been thrown out more than any manager? He's up there. 
Um, but I haven't seen one in a, a good one in I'm a gonna, while. I'm going to search right now to see all-time ejections to see if there's any active managers even on the list in the top 20. I doubt it. I doubt it. It's very civil. As bad as the umpiring yeah. is, it's remarkably civil. But it's also because the manager isn't the, the head guy in a lot of ways anymore. He's just taking the instructions from the GM, you know, and, and implementing a game plan that's set. Hell, I, like uh, I told Tony, you, Tony the Yankees. La Russa, Tony LaRusso is in there. Yeah, okay. Well, he's not active. He's fifth, all, he's fifth all time with 90. Bobby Cox is 162. Second place is 41 behind him, John McGraw. I would argue it's, it's debatable as to whether Tony LaRusso is quote-unquote active. <laughs> <laughs> he's in the uniform <laughs> right, every yeah. game, you're saying. But, but is he actually active? That's what, a good question. Yeah. Coming well, up. Uh, by the way, Ron Gardenhire, who's recently out, is seventh all time. I'm, there's some contemporary guys on this list, which warms my heart. Yeah. So Manningly's so not even some close. Where's Manningly? You see him? Uh, like every time Scroll. I watch the Braves Marlins, that dude's getting thrown out. He yeah. is not in the top it's 15. Special for the Marlins. <laughs> uh, special for the Braves. Yeah. I mean. Coming up, uh, some things to uh, keep an eye on going into tonight's sports scene, and also. Paul's column on the trading show that he recently attended. All that and more straight ahead. Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. There are 15 Major League Baseball games tonight. And uh, the first pitch for that will to start the evening slate. Comes up in about 20 minutes from now. Also tonight, 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. Edmonton at Colorado. Game one of the Western Conference Finals in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, another bit of news out there. There are now 23 civil cases against Deshaun Watson. Uh, Tony Busby has just released through a statement that uh, there's a new plaintiff who changed her mind after watching the segment about um, Watson on Real Sports last week. Um, and we should also say uh, an end of a career, and a, we wish you the best in retirement to Jerry Tipton, uh, who has been the Kentucky basketball beat writer for the Lexington Herald, for, uh, Herald leader for as long as I can remember. Yeah. And he is uh, retiring um, after a fantastic career covering the SEC. He was one of those you knew he was good at his job because Kentucky fans hated him. Yeah. Yeah. Like he would tell you exactly what he thought, and he was not influenced by fans. And he, he was great in that they loved him at times and they hated him at times, and he was never a homer uh, for Kentucky. Very well respected. Paul, you did not call into Swap Shop. You did not uh, take an item to Antique Roadshow on PBS, but you did go to a trade show recently. A card show. I took uh, 10 cards that I rated as very valuable at a previous stage of life because in my big box of, tr of baseball cards predominantly, I had put them in separate sleeves. 76, Nolan Ryan, a Pete Rose... Uh, Reggie Jackson. So I went to this card show to searching for a column there and uh, found out these cards aren't worth that much, at least at a card show. Uh, one of the Ryans was with 30, worth 30 bucks. One was worth 15. I wasn't intending to sell them, but I was intending to get better prices 
on them. So disappointment on that front. But then I latched on to two 11-year-old kids and got taken back to my youth entirely. Um, watched them wheel and deal, talked to them. One of them told me uh, his thing is it's 50% the price of the card, 25% the guy on the card, 25% the look of the card. Wow. That, that was his. I like uh, that he has a formula ready his, to go. His formula. And so after spending maybe 45 minutes with these kids, I bought three packs of cards, two, uh, two NFL packs and a, and a uh, MLB pack, let them open it. They sift through them real fast, you know, pull out the rookies, pull out the special cards, tell me what's good. And then I let them each pick. One of their older brothers was there. They each, I said, what do you want? They were, Really? And that, so they each took a, a prize card from that, and I took the rest home for Simon. Really took me back, and I've gotten good feedback on it. I hope people will check it out. Uh, took me back to my childhood, even though my trades took place in my driveway, yeah. not at a card show. Mine or, took place with my much older brother, who just ripped you off. took me to the cleaners <laughs> on every trade. We, we would take our cards like, Oh, I gave up my Griffey rookie. We would trade cards at school prior to the start of class. Yeah, we did some of that, you too. You bring in your binder or whatever. Everyone, one of the holograms. I loved it. I'd go back. We will be back tomorrow. 2 o'clock Central, 3 o'clock Eastern. The very latest sports headlines right here. We'll preview the match, which for some reason is on a random weekday yeah, evening. it's weird. And uh, we get into all of the news and notes with Dan Dockage on Outkick 360 tomorrow. Don't block the box. Do lock your lock.